here as the Lord works through individuals and even Ron, you know, in the hospital. And he's, uh, he's, I told him we're praying for him and he let me know, you know, he's thankful that he has a, a Haitian nurse who is praying for him with her hands raised and uh, another nurse uh, who uh, is from Cuba and who talked about how much she is grateful for the freedom that we have in this country, having known that awful tyranny of communism, and she felt like that coming to this country was something like a new birth, and Ron said, I'm going to share the gospel with her in hopes that she will know what the new birth really is. Ron, thank you for your faithfulness, and thank all of you um, for your serving the Lord together, as I so much want us to be. People from everywhere, going everywhere, sharing the good news with everyone. And so, good news from the doctor, Luke the physician. As we look today at chapter 8, verses 16 through 21, reading some of what we read last week and including more with it. As we come to the table of our Lord Jesus, the true author of liberty, let us read together the word of God, Luke chapter 8, beginning with... Verse 16, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not... Even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And may the Lord bless this reading of his word to our hearts and minds, to our understanding. And may his name evermore be praised. Amen. Oh, say can you see, by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hail. When? At twilight's last gleaming. In order to see that flag in Baltimore Harbor, light was necessary. And oh, as we sing our national anthem, we are grateful that when the morning dawned, that flag was still there. A flag visible because of light shining. Darkness otherwise obscuring what would have been readily visible. But light reveals what's actually there. And so today as believers, those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus, we give thanks that the light of God's word has come and dawned and revealed to us glorious truth that otherwise would have remained obscured to us. But Jesus, who is the light, has come. And oh, how thankful we are to be able to see by that light which he is. And so we give thanks today that God's word will finally and forever and universally reveal truth and will judge all things. This world continues to manifest darkness. Another mass shooting in Baltimore overnight. We've read about tragedies, even how teenagers died in a drowning accident up the highway in Fort Myers just this past week. Uh, Kathy and I have dear friends in North Carolina. The mother has given birth to a child with severe, severe birth defects, and they essentially are waiting on that little one to depart, if he hasn't already. 
We are mindful of the manifestation of darkness in this world. But the light of the world has come. And we hear this admonition of the Lord Jesus. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. You can no more hide the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus in your life than you can blot out the sun. Yes, clouds may obscure it, but we still walk by its light on the darkest times in daylight when the clouds are their thickest and it appears to be almost dark outside, yet that light somehow manages to penetrate the clouds that still we know it is day. The light of God's word has come. Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. And so, inasmuch as we come to see the truth, we also realize that ultimately there will be judgment, that sin will be brought to bear under the spotlight of God's word and of his justice. So today, we're among those who realize, yes, we know the judgment is coming, so let's confess and acknowledge our sin now. Let's trust in the Lord Jesus Christ now so that we don't have anything to fear on that day of judgment, so that we can look forward to the day that Christ will be vindicated. But otherwise, there is a warning to those who are yet refusing Christ, in which the Word of God says the day is coming. You can only conceal things temporarily. There is no permanent disguise. There, there, there isn't enough material in all the world to create a facade sufficient to keep you from this searchlight that is the Word of God. Jesus said, I have come into the world, in John chapter 12, verses 46 to 48, as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. But if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. There is a judgment. There is a reckoning coming. God's word will be the basis for that. So we reject the word of God to our own peril. But we accept it, and in doing so, we experience the light by which we rejoice in giving thanks that in the revelation of truth and even the exposure of my own sin and wickedness, I can confess it to God the Father, trusting in the Lord Jesus and His atoning work on the cross and give thanks for real freedom as the light shines in the darkness. And so we see that as we considered it last week. We also know that in this judgment, ultimately, what people think they have will be taken away. What people think they have will be taken away. And even what they, as he says so clearly here, even what they have not and what they think they have will be removed. Judgment is final. It is thorough. It is not partial. Um, the reckoning will be complete. And then we move on to this curious moment when Jesus, with the crowd still teaching, inside in some building or structure, probably a house, is made aware that his mother and brothers are outside. Now, we don't know who all of the family may have been. Certainly we know that Mary, being his earthly mother, 
was among them. We also know at least two brothers, James and Jude, who end up being writers in the New Testament, but at this time and place were not yet believers in him. Scripture makes that clear. His own family didn't recognize who he really was. So they're outside wanting him to come. That doesn't seem to be a you know, an unusual thing. I, I can think of any number of times when I was growing up, somebody said, your mother wants you. And uh, I responded. I was, uh, I was there in that time or two when I didn't respond and experienced the consequences. And having learned my lesson, when uh, I hear that my mother wants me to this day, I respond. One of my favorite theologians, Jerry Clower, Southern humorist from long ago told a story about how he was at a certain event one time and people were picketing and they were protesting the death penalty because they said they had determined that that punishment was not a deterrent to crime. And Jerry said, let me tell you about my mama. He said, uh, my mama had baked a whole bunch of little tea cakes one time, these wonderful, delicious little tea cakes, and she had left them on the windowsill to cool. And he said, I happened by and I saw them. And Mama had told me that those tea cakes were not for me. She was making them for somebody else and that I wasn't to touch them. But, oh, they smelled so good and they looked so good. And he said, I reached up there and I grabbed one of them and I took off to the nearest haystack and I hid behind it. And he said, and I ate that tea cake and it tasted so good. And then in just a minute, I heard Mama saying, Jerry, did you eat one of my tea cakes? No, ma'am. I said, Mama had to administer some discipline. And he told the protester, he said, listen. He said, I'm a grown adult. I graduated high school and college. He said, I've been somewhat successful in show business. He said, sometimes when I go places, I have to have security. People to get me in and out of where I'm going. But, buddy, I want to tell you something. To this day... If I walk into a hotel room and they've left me cookies or goodies or something, to this day, I don't eat them unless I call Mama and ask her if it's all right. (laughs) The earthly relationship that we have with our parents and with family members, of course, is a bond that goes beyond our ability to explain. And so we find in this passage a curiosity in as much as the Lord Jesus does not respond by going out to them. When he's told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you, there's no question about why they are there. Scripture says, but he answered them. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And suddenly we realize that the Lord Jesus Christ is unique. That unlike all of the rest of us, And, of course, he obeyed the commandments. He honored his earthly father and mother. We know that. And he was not dishonoring his mother here. But in his ministry, in his seeking to do the will of his heavenly father, there was a greater lesson to be taught here. And among the aspects of the lesson to be learned by us is simply this. Any supposed relationship with Jesus that lacks faith and obedience is temporary. Their claim to be of biological relations with the Lord Jesus was, of course, actual. He physically was born of Mary. The Holy Spirit had conceived him in her womb and brought him forth. 
And so he had an earthly bond, a biological relationship with her and with his siblings to an extent. Yet even that relationship would not bind them eternally with him. What is needed for that is true faith in the Lord Christ. And you and I need to know that. In our association with Christ by attending a worship service like this one or by having a Bible in our house or even by observing prayer, we are not saved by association. We are saved only through faith in Christ, by trusting in Him, by listening to the Word of God and obeying it. Matthew records the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. There is no substitute for obedience, for faith and obedience, for trusting in Christ and following Him. No earthly relationship, even that of a mother in His case, is sufficient. So His true family are those who listen and obey. And there's no question about what that word is. We have it even here in chapter 8. As it began, we saw last week, soon afterward, he went through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. What was the good news? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. It's very near you. So obeying the word means repent, turning from sin, trusting in Christ. It means an ongoing repentance because it's in that particular tense that means it's not one and done but an ongoing activity on our part. Acknowledging sin, turning from it. We have that opportunity today as we come to the table of the Lord Jesus. Acknowledging that forgiveness as we repent and believe. Finally, just to say this, the believer's relationship to Christ is therefore astounding in its scope and absolutely unending. We think of the wonderful relationships that we have with parents, perhaps, or with siblings, or with friends that we've come to know later in life. But there's no relationship like that of knowing the Lord Jesus. Is it not astounding that the ones through whom the world has been created would count us as brothers and sisters? That we would be heirs of God and co-heirs with Him? You are my friends if you do what I command you. John chapter 15, verses 14 to 15. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Think of it. That the God of the universe would call us His friends. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. He has brought us into the most intimate fellowship imaginable. Indeed, it's beyond our imagining. As we um, have been rescued from darkness and brought into the light, joined together with him, Christ is our friend. He is our elder brother. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Aramaic word, Abba. A term of endearment, a loving Heavenly Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So listening and hearing the Word of God, acknowledging it and trusting in the Savior, walking with Him each day, even moment by moment, brings with it a freedom 
that is unlike any other, a relationship that is secured even by his own blood. For when he went to the cross and died that atoning death, dying for all of those who would believe in him, he has secured for us an eternity. And why would we want to live in any other way other than as his friend, his brother, sister, living as those who have yielded our very lives to him and trusted in him. There will be fireworks on Tuesday. Plenty of dogs and cats will be scared witlessness. Firecrackers and fireworks explode in the sky. People will celebrate. Many will be celebrating, not even giving thought to what it is they're doing. It's just a day off. They won't think about the sacrifices that have been made in many cases. I hope most will. But many won't consider what we really owe to those who have gone before us in so many ways. It will just be a holiday. Those of us who understand history a bit, perhaps, will celebrate with a little more reflection, a little more thought, a little more reverence. But every day for the believer is a day to recognize liberty proclaimed to captives, freedom affected by a perfect life and atoning death. Every day is an opportunity for us to live a life of gratitude for what Christ has done and remembering that eternal relationship that loving relationship that we have through Him. It uh, is a matter of truth that uh, my mother doesn't call me all that much. You know, after all that she's been through, she's earned the right for me to call her. So I don't begrudge that at all. But I can remember some poignant times when uh, I've looked at my caller ID and says mama I remember being in a meeting one time and we were right in the middle of something extremely important I was chairing the meeting I remember saying uh, excuse me just a moment and I pointed to the vice chairman and I said will you please take the chair as I went outside to take the call from my mother it turned out not to be anything all that important but it was important because it was her Who's important to you? Who are you willing to interrupt the normalities of life in order to say this is important? I need to listen to him. We are here today, I presume, because we all understand the importance of stopping and listening. Because our Heavenly Father is speaking through his word. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus, is speaking through his word. And those who are his, listen. And we obey because he has loved us. And in that love, we know there is no one else in all the world who deserves the place that he alone occupies. So just a reminder to us, we don't have fireworks here. We don't have a great orchestra to play anthems, but we do have our voices, and together we join in worship and adoration of the one who has given his life for us because we have something.
We have a freedom. We have a liberty. We have a relationship that nothing will ever take away from us as Christ Jesus has come to deliver us. Family. That's what we are with Him. May God be praised. Let's bow. Father in heaven, we bless you, O Lord, and we give you praise as we come now to this supper that the Lord Jesus has given to us, that we might eat and drink and proclaim his death until he comes. O Father, bless us to hear the word. Bless us to acknowledge your Son, trusting in him alone and in no other, and living each each day in gratitude to you for all that you have done for us in him. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so...